This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Crutcher, Mr. Dollar. Lester Crutcher at Continental Insurance Company. Oh, how are you, Mr. Crutcher? Uh, tell me, are you familiar with the Priest Expedition Collection? Priest Expedition? Some of the relics, artifacts, of considerable archaeological import that were excavated from the ruins of the city of Ur in the valley of the Euphrates. What? Findings from the temple erected to the god Baal, which proved of such historical value to students of the ancient Babylonian civilization. You know. I certainly don't know. But what about it? We carry some special insurance on that collection. And what's happened to it? Nothing yet. But I think you'd better come over and see me. Right away. Okay, Mr. Crutcher. Why not? Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Continental Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the loss of memory matter. Ancient Babylonia, Crutcher had said. So on the way down to his office, I stopped off at the library for a good look at the encyclopedia. And I learned that what was once Babylonia is now a part of the country of Iraq, one of the hot spots in the Middle East. Good, good, there might be some action, even international intrigue. On a map, I found the location of the long-forgotten city of Ur. The confluence of the Tigris and Euphrates River near the Persian Gulf was where it was. Romantic names, all of them. And not too far away, the exotic city of Baghdad. Yes, at long last, a trip to the Middle East. Middle East? Uh, well, that's what the map said, Mr. Crutcher. Near west is more like it, Dollar. Huh? Uh, you must have misunderstood me. The relics from the temple of the god Baal I mentioned are presently in the little town of Lakeview. Lakeview? Yes, right here in Connecticut. <laughs> I guess I did misunderstand. They're owned by a Mr. Alvin Peabody Cartwright, who, uh, I might venture to say, is a crackpot of the first order, but who happens to have placed a great deal of insurance with us on his life, property, art collection, and so forth. I see. You uh, mentioned a priest's expedition collection. Of rare scrolls and tablets, principally, taken from excavations along the bank of the Euphrates River, some of them over 4,000 years old, all of them of great historical and archaeological value. Here. This is a relatively unimportant piece that Mr. Cartwright gave to me some years ago. Well, uh, what is it? What does it look like? Well, like a tiny sort of sofa pillow. Only it's made out of dried mud or some... Hey, wait a minute. There are a lot of tiny marks on it. Hieroglyphics, Dollar. Those are a perfect example of the cuneiform writing that was used by the ancients. Oh, what's it say? Has anybody deciphered it? It's a receipt for 24 fat sheep, 
twelve oxen and twelve goats that were taken to the temple for sacrifice to the great god Baal. Well, how about that? Does the whole collection consist of stuff like this? Yes, and of priceless scrolls made of papyrus and leather. You've heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Oh, yeah, sure. They throw so much light on biblical times. Yeah, they've had a lot of publicity in time and life and so on. Yes. Those in the priest collection cover much of the history of the Canaanites and Phoenicians. And you've insured the collection? It's this way. Mr. Cartwright has decided to sell it to the museum here in Hartford. Has promised them that his stepson, Alfred Hocking, who lives with him, would deliver it to them today. But now he's suddenly worried to death that something will happen to it en route. So? So, to keep him happy, we've issued a $20,000 transit policy. Well, then what's he worried about? Now he demands a guard for it, too. Well, doesn't he trust his stepson, this Alfred? Who knows? Who knows what old Cartwright thinks, whom he trusts? Well, now look, And I... after all, $250 plus whatever expense account you can dream up for a couple of hours' drive in the country. What if his own... Oh? Well, sure, why not? Expense account item two, $50 deposit on a rental car in which I probably headed north and west on Highway 44. The 50-odd mile drive to Lakeview was easy and pleasant. Finding Cartwright's home was also easy. It sat prominently atop a hill on the outskirts of the little town with perhaps two acres of ground around it. All of it looking worth a lot of money, yet rather seedy and run down. Alvin Peabody Cartwright himself greeted me at the door. I take it you're Mr. Dollar. That's right. Mr. Uh, Cartwright? Let me see your credentials. Oh, well, yeah, sure. All right, here you are. Uh, yes, all right, you can come in. This way, in my study. Right here. And there, Mr. Dollar, is the box containing the Babylonian relics. That one carton is all that's to be delivered to the museum in Hartford? That's all. Young man, the contents of that sealed carton are worth $21,000, and it's sealed, you understand, so that neither you nor that worthless stepson of mine can get your hands on any part of it. Alfred, this is Mr. Dollar. Alfred Hawking. Hmm? Hi, Dollar. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't see you sitting back there. Yeah. Uh, uh, now let me finish this phone call that you interrupted. You still there, Mr. Waring? All right, now. Huh? Yes, he finally got here. Dollar's his name. That's right. Shall Dollar. I uh, sit down? Yeah, sure. Well, just you be sure he identifies himself. Yes, and that he's accompanied by my stupid stepson, whose name's Alfred Hawking. Now, if only one of them appears, or if the seals on the carton are broken, you're not to accept it. Make him bring it back to me in a... No. 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 Call the police. Yes, that's what I said. Call the police. Otherwise, give the money to Mr. Dollar. Not to that half-wit stepson of mine. I don't trust him. Now, they'll leave here shortly, and I... I know it's late, but wearing, just make sure that you're there waiting for them with the money. Goodbye. Mr. Cartwright. Yes, well, what, what? If you're so concerned about it, I can't help wondering why you haven't asked the police to guard this shipment for you. Because I don't trust them. I don't trust them any more than I trust this numbskull Alfred. Thanks. I don't Pop. trust anybody. Oh, does that include me? Of course it does. Why do you suppose I'm having both of you take it over there? I'll tell you why, to keep an eye on each other. Now, get yourselves out of here and on the way to Hartford. Just be sure you bring that cash right back here to me tonight. You mean check, don't you? I mean cash. I don't believe in checks. I don't believe in banks. I don't trust them. I've kept all I have in my big safe here in the house for the past 47 years, and I intend to continue keeping it there, where I can watch over it myself. Now, go on, you and this dumb Albert. Get out of here. Dumb, Alfred? I'm not so sure. On the other hand, as we drove back toward Hartford with Alfred at the wheel, he said he knew a backcountry shortcut. I decided he just wasn't as clever as he'd like to be. Hey, hey, take it easy, Al. I'll give it to you straight, Dollar. I'd hoped the old buzzard would let me make this delivery alone. Because believe me, if he had, <laughs> he'd never see one red cent of that 21 grand we're going to pick up. I take it you and your stepfather don't get along too well. It's <laughs> putting it mild. But I'm telling you, boy, that once I figure a way to relieve him of his dough, he'll never see me again. 21,000 bucks. Boy, that would get me so far away from here, I tell you... You, uh, been living with him long? All my life. The crazy old Scrooge has never let me have any money of my own. And me, I got a right to blow myself, have a little fun, as much as anybody. Well, maybe he thinks you ought to work for him. Hey, 
Hey, now, you better slow down, Al. Work, did you say? When he's got more than he'll ever be able to use, stashed away in that old safe in the cellar? Why should I have to work? Hey, I said take it easy, Al. Uh, run up those trucks, stay off those backcountry roads. Oh, now, Al. Why should I work when all I need to do is to get my hands on some of that pile he's got in the safe and I can live like a king? <laughs> he'll never spend it. And he'll never leave it to me when he kicks off. That's why I haven't knocked him off myself, but believe me, Al, I've been... look, just stop this crate and let me take the wheel. Yeah, why? Oh, with all your ranting and raving, you're all over the road. Sure, okay, okay. Sure, you can drive. Well, stop. Sure, stop. Look out, we'll skip. Let us skip. Look out! There was a long, long period of deep, dull blackness, without sound, without feeling. And then slowly, hazily, the light came back, but it wasn't clear. Everything seemed very confusing, very, very vague. I was conscious of a terrible throbbing in my head, and then it slowly passed, leaving only a dull ache. A strange and helpless feeling of not knowing who or what or where I was until the shadow of a man rose from the ground beside me. Slowly took definite form as it wavered for a moment, then stood over me. How about you, boy? Back to the world again? Well? Yeah, you... You really hit that windshield frame. Here, let me help you sit up. I'll lean you up against what's left of the car. Yeah, now. Car? Sure. Yeah, this is the wreck we cracked up in. Yeah. Nothing busted. You were just knocked out. Cracked up? Sure. On our way to Hartford. Hartford? Hey. What's the matter with you? I don't know. I, I can't seem to re remember anything. What do you mean? I not anything. I, I can't remember. My mind is all blank. Well, you, you, you know who you are, don't you? No. What? No, and I, my head, it's just, it's. Busted. Look, 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 look. Are you, are you kidding? Hartford. Car. Sure, sure. Hartford to deliver some stuff and collect a big water. You, you're sure you don't remember? I don't remember. Not even who you are? I don't remember. I'm trying to. But well, I'll it's... be... Okay, oh, okay, Lana. Listen, listen, listen. Everything's going to be okay. Real okay. You want to know who you are, huh? Yeah. Who I am. Sure, sure you do. And I'll tell you. Your name is Hawking. Alfred Hawking. Alfred? That's right, yeah. You're Alfred Hawking. We were driving along here in the car. See, uh, I was. You were keeping me company, you get it? Yeah, I, I guess so. Sure you do, sure. You see, I have to deliver some stuff in Hartford. It's in this box here in the car. Now, you see it? Box. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you just came along for the ride. The, the ride to Hartford, see? Oh. Yeah, and after I deliver this stuff and pick up the... Uh, make a little pickup, that is... Why, then you and me will part and go our merry way, you see? I, I, I don't know, I guess. So. Sure you do, sure, sure you do. Yeah, sure I do. You feel better now, huh? Yeah, yeah, much. I, if only my head would clear, if only I could remember something, anything. Look, look, you're going to be okay, Al. Al. I'm Al. That's right. Yeah. You, I, I can't remember, huh? Who are you? Me? My name is Johnny Dollar. Dollar. Yeah, yeah. Remember that, Johnny Dollar. That's right. Yeah. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. We sometimes wonder, 
What is the life of a human being really worth? Not too much? Or maybe a great deal? Does it depend on whose life it is? Whatever the answer, one thing is certain. Fred Hargesheimer, since World War II, has felt that his life is worth quite a lot. Quite a lot of gratitude. During the war in the Pacific, about June of 1943, Lieutenant Hargesheimer had his P-38 fighter plane shot out of the sky. Badly wounded, he bailed out over a tiny island, New Britain. It looked pretty small from where he hit the silk, but he found it much bigger when he hit the ground. It was bigger, and in complete control of the enemy. But Hargesheimer was lucky. After a month of lonely hiding, he was found by a group of friendly natives from the village of Nantambu. They cared for him and successfully hid him from enemy patrols for the next four months at the risk of their own lives. Then Hargesheimer was able to make it back to civilization. For the next 17 years, Fred Hargesheimer thought about those wonderful people of Nantambu. 12,000 miles away in the United States of America, Hargesheimer put a great plan into effect. He made speeches, took up collections, sold jewelry belonging to his family, and worked out a way to bring a bit of civilization and happiness to the little village of Nantambu. Needless to say, the villagers gave him a spectacular welcome upon his return. Fred Hargesheimer showed his gratitude to the people who had saved his life. But life is worth little without freedom. The right of all men, everywhere. Now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Loss of Memory Matters. Amnesia. Sudden, complete amnesia. And all the feeling of utter helplessness that goes with it. The man who was with me told me of the crack-up of our car on the way to a place he called Hartford. Hartford? Meant nothing to me. Nor did I recognize anything of the countryside or the road where we sat waiting, hoping someone would pick us up. Names, places, I remembered nothing. Not even who I was, or who the man with me was. That's right. Dollar. I'm Johnny Dollar. I, uh, I see. And your name is Hawking. Alfred Hawking. Hawking. Yeah. Yeah, you're feeling better, aren't you? Yeah, I, I think so. Well, look in the pocket of your coat. Pocket? Oh, isn't there a billfold there? Yeah, yeah, open it up. Yeah, here's... There's a name in it. Sure. See? Alfred P. Hawking. That's right. That's you. And I'm Johnny Dollar. Just remember that and everything will be all right. Huh. Why don't some truck come along and pick us up or a car? What, uh, what are we doing out here, Johnny? Like, you see this box? Well, I've got orders to deliver it to the museum in Hartford. Museum, huh? What's in it? No, just some old relics. Then I'll collect the money for it, and that'll be that. You can be on your merry way, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Sure. But how come I'm going with you, Johnny? Why, uh, you live in Hartford, see? Oh, I see. You didn't even know that. You still don't remember anything. Only what's happened since I woke up here. Look now. Yeah? Why, why Why? don't you take me home first, if we can get a ride, that is, and maybe if I rest, I'll feel better. My no, head, no. Maybe my mind will clear up. No, but, no. First the museum. But, Johnny... All right, listen. The crazy old coot I'm delivering this stuff for, uh, well, he phoned ahead that there'd be two of us, see, so you've got to come along to the museum. Museum? Yeah, yeah, the museum, the one in Hartford, like I told you. Oh, yes, uh, But uh, once I get the money for it, I'll take care of you. Yeah, I'll take care of you. Well, you, you've done pretty good as it is, I guess. Sure I have, doll. Al, I mean. I've pulled you out of the wreck and all. Hey, look, here comes a big moving van, and if I know those boys, who will pick us up. Come on, get up on your feet, and we'll flag him down. The helpful driver of the big cross-country truck picked us up and was all for getting me to a hospital before anything else. But my companion, who called himself Johnny Dollar, assured him he'd do it as soon as our mission was accomplished. 
So the driver agreed to take us directly to the museum Johnny had mentioned. Johnny Dollar. The name had a strangely familiar sound, but I, I couldn't remember. Finally, in the city, they told me it was Hartford. We pulled up in front of a large, rather imposing granite building. Sure, somebody will still be there waiting to meet you, mister? It's getting pretty late. Don't worry, driver. There'll be somebody, all right. Okay, but you sure you don't want any wait and take your friend Al to a hospital? Like I told you, the minute we're through here, I'll take care of him. Come on, Al. Sure. Thanks, driver. Uh, yeah, thanks. It's okay, boys. If I couldn't give somebody in trouble a hand, I'd have no business driving this rig. Money. Here's your package. Oh, thanks again. Now, come on, Al. Okay, Johnny. I'll do all the talking, and uh, you just remember who you are. Sure. Let me help you carry that. You you just push the bell button there beside... Well, it's about time. Uh, which of you is Mr. Dollar? Uh, that's me. Hi, Mr. Waring. Uh, here's my credentials. Uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, then you... Uh... Al Hawking. Oh, yes. Uh, just as Mr. Cartwright said on the phone. But... Uh, what happened to you? I had a little car accident on the way. Oh, yes. Are you, uh, are you feeling all right, Mr. Hawking? Well, uh, my... Oh, uh... sure, sure. I'm going to take care of him as soon as we leave here. So, if you don't mind, uh, you've got something for me, haven't you? Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, mm hmm Seals are still intact. Sure are, in spite of the accident. Oh, very well. If you'll step inside, I'll give you the money. Good, good. Come on. Al. I must confess, my bewildered mind was somewhat puzzled by what happened next. Mr. Waring opened a small wall safe and handed my companion a package. From it, he extracted and counted almost greedily $21,000. He signed a receipt, accepted a receipt for the packet of bills. Then we left the museum and hailed a taxi. Hey, buddy, you know a drive-your-own car place that's still open? Sure do. Then take us there and, uh... Uh, there's an extra fin for you if you step on it. All right, you are. Johnny, can't the cabbie take me home first? I said I'd take care of you, didn't I? All right, now, don't ask any questions. We haven't got time. Maybe I had lost all memory. Maybe my mind was befuddled, confused. The pain in my head nearly driving me out of whatever sanity I'd retained. Nonetheless, I had a strange feeling that things weren't what they should be. S still, my friend, this Johnny Dollar who'd saved me from the wrecked car. If only I could remember things from before we cracked up. There was something strange, too, in the way he slowly, painstakingly, signed the application for the drive-your-own car, looking carefully all the while at the license he pulled out of his pocket. Then a few minutes later, we were on the road again, and we were heading, according to the highway signs, out of town and toward a place called Danbury on Route 6. Ah, uh, these rental cars could stand a little souping up. Look, Johnny, I thought you were going to take me home. I am. But you said I live in Hartford. Listen, if I know that stepfather of, my, of yours, the sooner we get out of the state... What? What were you going to say? Nothing, nothing. Now, uh, no, uh, listen. Uh, I gotta get you to a hospital, see, and the best one I know is over the line in New York. You wanna get your memory back, don't you? Yeah, sure, but now look, Al. Huh? What'd you say? <laughs> That's funny. I called you, Al. What's funny about it? Sure you aren't beginning to remember things, huh? How about it? I wish to heaven I caught me. Now, look, Johnny, there's something funny about all this. I may be a bit muddled after that crack-up we were in, but it you seems... You are muddled. That's the reason you're getting crazy ideas, but don't. See? Just quit thinking and relax, so you might do something you'd be sorry for. Yeah. Real sorry. This determination of his to get across the state line. Things were wrong, and I knew it. But I didn't know why. A man's judgment is based on his experience, so are his reasoning powers, based on things he's done or that have happened to him, or at the very least on things he's known about in the past. And all of my knowledge of the past was gone from me. Anything I might do or say at this point would probably be wrong. So how could I argue with this, this Johnny Dollar? What's more, he had a gun. 
I felt it in his pocket when he bumped against me. Perhaps if I had a gun, I could stop him, demand an explanation. I felt that I should. Why? I didn't know why, but somehow. Johnny? Yeah? Why are you so anxious to get into another state? I told you to get you to a hospital. Now, shut up. Now, listen to me. Don't ask questions. Just leave everything to me. Well, why is driving all this distance, 50 or 60 miles now, better than if you'd taken me to a hospital or doctor back in Hartford? I told you to stop asking questions. Yeah. Johnny, why do you carry a gun? Why shouldn't I? Don't worry about it. Are you supposed to? Sure, sure. I got a permit, so forget it. Let me see it. Hey, what is this? Later. Now. Later, I said. Then I don't believe you. All right, all right, then here. Look in this card case. I looked in Johnny Donner's card case. His driver's license, business cards that said he was a freelance insurance investigator. And again, something vaguely familiar stirred in my cloudy mind. Did you find it yet? And then an identification card with thumbprint and snapshot. And the picture was not of the man beside me. Instinctively, I leaned over to look into the rearview mirror to look at myself. But he pulled the gun from his pocket, and before I could do it, he struck me hard across the head. All right now, Al. We're gonna stop. You hear me, Al? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hit me with that gun. That's right. That was a mistake. Because that second blow on the head. Why have we stopped? You'll see. You see, you gave me an idea about this gun. If I get out. Sure. Why not? Pretty wobbly, huh? All right, now. Look down over the side of the road there. What about it? See that deep ravine down there? Why? Al? That's why. Because you called me Al. And this time you meant it. Yeah. I guess I did. Thanks to that poke on the head. So, you got some of your memory back, huh? But not your strength. No. So before you do... No, put that away! Expense account total so far, $95 even, including doctor bills. Repair bill on rental car is still to come, and strangely enough, old Cartwright is perfectly willing to pay it and any other expenses that may be involved. <laughs> He's a changed man with his chiseling stepson out from underfoot. Also, I'll be required to appear in court against Alfred Hawking, and there'll be expenses involved there, too. Uh, the extra 500 Cartwright insisted I take doesn't go in this account since it came out of his own pocket. <laughs> Not bad for just a couple of wallops on the head, huh? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week? Well, it's another case of mistaken identity, but believe me, a completely different affair. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote tonight's story. Heard in our cast were Les Tremaine, Parley Bear, Joseph Kearns, Barney Phillips, Tom Henley, and Shepard Mencken. Musical supervision is by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Matter up, Johnny. Ah, who's that? McGraw! Oh, as if I didn't know. What's on your mind, Bert? Dollar Mason. Ever hear of her? Her uncle Sylvester Mason. Mmm, Mason stealing iron? Yeah, that's the man. Dollar's his favorite niece. About six weeks ago, she disappeared. So? So, yesterday, a body washed up on Newport Beach not too far from her parents' home. Darlis? According to her father. And you hold a policy on her? For 25000 double indemnity. Ouch. So, why don't you pay it off? Well, we would have today, except for one thing. Well, what's that? Right after Mason identified the body, a man named Dixon showed up and swore it was the body of his daughter. What? <laughs> Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Providential Assurance Company, 393 Dewey Avenue, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Mason-Dixon mismatch matter. Expense account item one, $1.20, taxi from my apartment at the Providential Building. The walls of Bert McGraw's office are covered with pictures of sporting events. And as I entered, Bert was preparing to hang another one. Johnny, well, come in, come in. Uh, you, uh, you ever see this? Uh, who is it? Who? Well, it's me, that's who. The day I pitched for the Valdosta Lions. Struck out ten of the cherry pointers that afternoon. Yes, sir. Uh, you win the game for him? Huh? I said, did you win the game for him? Oh. Uh, no, cheating umpire. <laughs> ah, hey. Well, Johnny boy, you ready to join our little team? I don't know. The body of a girl being found on a beach, Mason identifying it as his daughter, then somebody else showing up. Uh, Henry Dixon. Yeah, and saying the same thing. Can't the authorities identify her? Haven't been able to yet. Neither one of those girls had their fingerprints on record? Nope. 
Well, what about dental work? Uh, nothing to go on there either. Oh, brother. It's not going to be an easy one, Johnny. How long had the body been in the ocean before it was washed up? Well, they figure about six weeks. You know what that means. Yeah. Hello? Oh, yes, sir. I see. Uh-huh. Well, if it isn't the Mason girl... Yes, sir. Yes, sir, that's right. Uh, thanks for calling, Captain. That was Captain Miller of the Newport Police. They find out who she is? No. So if it is the Mason girl, we're going to have to pay out 50000 on the double indemnity clause. You aren't surprised, are you? No, I didn't think she died from a natural cause. But I didn't think it'd be from a gunshot wound, either. What kind of a gunshot wound? A thirty-eight, right through here. Mm. How old did you say the Mason girl was, Brick? Oh, around 20. Dixon girl, too. Both of them pretty, full of life. At least they were. When did the Mason girl disappear? Oh, about six weeks ago. And the Dixon girl? Well, she's been missing about three months. Well, one of them's still alive. I'll try to find her. Bert gave me all the information he had on both the Mason and the Dixon families. I took a cab back to my apartment. That's expense account item two. Item three, $18.10 transportation, Hartford to Newport, Rhode Island. After checking in at the Ogden Hotel, I called Dollar Mason's father, rented a car, and drove out to the Mason home on the beach. I was about to ring the bell when the front door opened. Hi. Well, hi. You must be Johnny Dollar. That's right. Come on in. I'm Joan Mason. Dollar's little sister. Uh-huh. This way, Mr. Dollar. Mother's waiting for you in the den. Your mother? I thought my appointment was with you. Oh, my father's indisposed. Besides, mother's the brains of this family. Of course, if you really want to know about Darla, you ask me. Maybe I will. You better. Mr. Dollar's here, mother. Thank you, my dear. Come in, please, Mr. Dollar. See you later, Johnny. A dreadful mistake my husband made has upset him so. I thought it best to see you myself. Just what mistake are you referring to, Mrs. Mason? Well, we've released a statement to the newspapers. I thought you had heard. No, ma'am, I haven't. You've made a trip over here for nothing, then. Oh. Yes, you see, my husband erred when he identified that body as being our daughter's. It couldn't possibly have been. Well, uh, I know you're glad of that, Mrs. Mason. But what made Mr. Mason change his mind? I haven't changed it, Dollar. George, I thought you were going to stay in your room. Never mind. Dollar, any questions you want to ask, I'll try to answer them. Why, George Mason, you've been drinking. Only enough to take the bad taste out of my mouth. And you know what put it there. Oh, don't look so mixed up, Jenny. I tried going along with you, but I got too weak a stomach. So here I am. I don't know what you're talking about. No. Listen, Dollar. Soon as they found out that girl had been murdered, my wife here decided it couldn't have been Dollar. It isn't Dollar, and you know it. Only thing I know is that you've got a set idea good, proper people don't die nowhere else but in bed. Because this girl died like she did, because she was shot, you tried convincing me she ain't our daughter. Well, I won't hold still for it. That girl's dollar, no matter what that if crazy Coot Dixon says. Me, or Mr. what you dollar? say. You hear? You hear me, Jenny? Oh. Doggone woman. I get something mad at her. Oh, you. You want a drink, Dollar? No, no thanks. A little early for me. Yeah, I guess I've had enough, too. Well, Dollar. No matter what way our girl died, she was a good girl. Never give me a bit of trouble. Never lied. Never ran around like some her age do. Oh, she was a real good girl. Mr. Mason, the police haven't been able to make a positive identification. I know that. Well, would you mind telling me why you're so certain that girl is your daughter? Oh, of course not. First thing, Darla had no reason to run off. She had everything I could give her. Charge accounts all over the place. Everything money could buy. So... She had no reason to leave here like she did. Where was she last seen? At the Newport Yacht Club, at the bar. Younger daughter Joan saw Darla talking with a stranger. When she walked out of the club, it was the last anybody ever saw of her. Well, Mr. Mason, do you have a picture of your daughter that I could borrow for a few days? Yeah, I might be able to find you one. What do you want with it? I'm going to try to find her. You what? Dollar, you... Or find the Dixon girl. Oh. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. 
Well, you might locate Ruth Dixon somewhere. Do you know the Dixons, Mr. Mason? No, I never heard of them before this happened. What about Ruth Dixon? Could Darla have known her? Oh, of course not. Are you sure? I mean, isn't it possible that in a small community like this one... No, no, it's not possible. Dollar, we're the Masons. Now, maybe that don't mean much to you or to me, but it means an awful lot to my wife. And for the time poor Darla was born, my wife drilled it into work. Do you understand? No, I'm not sure that I do. Well, Darla never mixed with people she thought were beneath her any more than my wife ever has. I see. You don't believe it, you just ask around. I plan to, Mr. Mason. Mason found a small snapshot of his daughter. I took it and drove back to town. Expense account item four, ten cents, one phone call to Henry Dixon. Twenty minutes later, I walked through the knee-high weeds that surrounded the Dixon home. Standing on the front porch waiting for me was a tall, thin man. Afternoon. Mr. Dollar? Yes, that's right. Well, I'm glad to know you. Sit down. It's such a nice day, I thought we could talk out here on the porch. Fine with me. Oh, uh, Dollar. Yeah? Uh, look, th- this whole thing hasn't been easy on my wife. Now, I've spent all day convincing her that I was mistaken, that the girl found on the beach isn't our daughter. You really believe that? Oh, I do, and so does my wife. And for the first time in days, she's almost her old self again. Henry? Oh, on the porch, Lucille. Mr. Dollar's here. Oh, my. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? Oh, Lucille, this is Mr. Dollar. Oh, pleased to meet you, sir. Thank you, Mrs. Dixon. Well, sit down, Mr. Dollar. Just anywhere. Oh, Henry built these chairs himself. I wanted to put them in the house, but Ruth, she just wouldn't have it. There. <clears throat> yes, Mr. Dollar. <clears throat> I'm not at all sure why you want to see us. Ruth wasn't insured. We never could afford to take out a policy on her. Well, we did once for her college fund. You remember, Henry? Mm, yes, but when I was forced to slow down, we had to cash it in. All except about $1,000, that is. Back in St. Louis, my husband was a school teacher, Mr. Dollar. A fine one. But the doctors made him give it up because of his heart. Oh, I see. Um, how long have you folks lived in Newport? Five years and four months. Mrs. Dixon, I imagine you remember just about everything that happened the day Ruth disappeared, don't you? Oh, my, yes. Well, did your daughter seem to be upset or emotionally disturbed in any way? No more than usual. Well, Ruth was spoiled, Mr. Dollar. Before Henry had to leave his job, we had the money to buy her nice things. Then, when we didn't have it, well, Ruth just never could get used to seeing her friends in their pretty new dresses. That's one of the reasons we moved to Newport, to get away from that crowd. Yes, we hoped she would find some friends on her own... uh, Financial level. Yes, some friends like that. But she... she wouldn't change. Did she know the Mason girl? Or ever talk about her? No. I can't recall that she did. Now, wait a minute, Henry. She did once. Oh, when was that? Oh, about the middle of March. They were having a dance where Ruth worked. When she got home that night, she told me the Mason girl had been there and how nice her hair had looked. The Mason girl wasn't nearly as pretty... Oh, no. Have you ever seen a picture of Ruth, Mr. Dollar? Uh, Well, only the one in the newspapers. Oh, that doesn't look a thing like Ruth. Excuse me. Surely. Mr. Dixon, was Ruth happy with her job? Well, considering how little they pay girls for doing hostess work, she was. Now, here. Here's a real nice picture of her, Mr. Dollar. You just look at this. Isn't that something? She sure. Mrs. Dixon, where was this taken? Why, where she worked. At the Newport Yacht Club. I borrowed the picture after promising to be careful with it. Then I went back to my hotel. At the desk, I stopped for my key and messages and found one from Captain Miller of the Newport Police. He wanted to see me in his office as soon as possible. 
It took me about five minutes to get there. Carla? Yeah, that's right. In here. I'm Miller, homicide detail. I'm glad you could... Oh, Mr. Oh, Dollar. Huh? Mr. Dollar, what wonderful good news. Oh, Jenny, leave the man alone. Well, I, I didn't expect to find you people here, Mrs. Mason. No, no, I'm sure you didn't. And Mr. Mason didn't expect to be here either. Oh, you just wouldn't hold the thought, would you, George? You just wouldn't have faith. Oh, Jenny. You had our girl dead and buried in her grave. Oh, for heaven's sake, never see anything so disgusting, Carla. But she's not. No, sir. Oh, I'm so thankful, so very Mrs. Best. Mason, you mean you found her? They haven't found her yet, Dollar. As a matter we of fact... We found proof that she's alive. What kind of proof? A slip. A what? A little sail. Oh, Mr. Dollar, I'm so excited. Calm down, Jenny, for heaven's sake. I'll what did you find, Captain? I didn't Mason find it, Mrs. Mason. Well, what is it? What is it? A bill from Kennedy's. That's a department oh, store over in Providence. Oh, why don't you shut up, woman? Oh. Captain, oh. what's a bill got to do with Dollar Mason being alive? Just this. All the Masons have a charge account at Kennedy's. So? Yes, yes. So today a bill came to the Mason house addressed to Miss Dollar Mason. You hear? You yeah. hear? Mrs. Mason opened it. Yes. Darla charged a fur wrap in Kennedy's. Oh. When? Just last week. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. We often hear about people shooting the bull or throwing the bull. We often do it ourselves on occasion. But here's a story about a bull that threw the man instead of the other way around. When Air Force veterinarian Captain Tony Kamalocker was stationed in the Azores, he was asked by a Portuguese veterinarian to diagnose the wound of a young and promising bull that had been gored by another bull. It came from a long line of famous corrida bulls and was considered very valuable. But Captain Kamalocker's diagnosis was not favorable. An operation was needed, and there were no facilities for such a thing, just the young captain's bag of surgical instruments, a few strong field hands to hold the animal down, and Mrs. Kamalocker, who acted as nurse. The operating table was a rocky field under a penetrating drizzle of rain. But Captain Tony Kamalocker couldn't be stopped with mere inconveniences. After giving the bull a dose of tranquilizers and a shot of local anesthetic, he proceeded with surgery. Just as the operation was completed, the bull came to life. With a mighty lurch, it leaped to its feet, throwing the field hands aside like sticks, and, for thanks, immediately charged at the surgeon. But Kamalocker escaped over a nearby stone wall. The bull recovered and its grateful owner renamed it Kamalocker for its debut in the ring where, Portuguese style, it is against the law to kill the bull. That's how a simple act of kindness brought about new understanding, a step on the road to freedom, the right of all men, everywhere. Now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Mason-Dixon mismatch matter. After telling me that the Mason girl had used one of her charge accounts just five days before the body was discovered on the beach, Captain Miller produced the original sales slip. Written across the bottom of it was the name Darla Mason. I wish to heaven I could be positive it's really her signature. You mean you think it's a forgery, Captain? Well, I don't think anything yet. Mr. Darla, you believe it's Darla's signature, don't you? Well, I... I haven't anything to compare the signature with, Mrs. Mason. Mrs. Mason, do you happen to have any of your daughter's legal documents at home, or her driver's license, or anything else that might contain her signature? No, I'm afraid I don't. You can order a copy from the Department of Motor Vehicles, Captain. Yeah, I will. What do you want it for, Captain? Well, it's just a matter of form, Mr. Mason. We have to be sure. But Darla's mother and me, we are sure. And we're the only ones that count. Well, that's not quite true, Mr. Mason. What? Have you forgotten about the Dixons? Oh... Oh, yeah, I guess it did for a minute. Well, you go ahead. Mrs. Mason and me will be at home. Yes, sir. You'll let us know as soon as you can, Captain. Yes, ma'am, I will. Thank you. Well, darling, now what? 
How far is Providence, Captain? About 40 miles. Why? Well, I don't know about that store over there, but where I came from, before a person could charge on an expensive item like a fur wrap, he'd have to produce some identification. Unless... Yeah? Unless the salesperson recognized him. Or her. What do you think? Hmm. It's 310 now. If we hurry, we might have time to do a little shopping. We made it in an hour and a half. The first salon at Kennedy's is on the second floor, back, away from the escalator. I remember her quite well, Mr. Darla. And you're sure it was Darla Mason? Oh, yes, I know, because I was so surprised to see her. Oh, how's that? <laughs> well, I read the papers, Mr. Darla. I knew she'd... In a way. Had you ever waited on her before, Miss Trumbull? No, I had not. Do you remember how she was dressed? Mm, well, she had on a hat. Gray felt fitted real close to her head, so you couldn't see any of her hair. And, oh, yes, a navy blue dress, raw silk, I believe, and real decollete. What? Low cut, Captain. Oh. Did you recognize her when she first walked in, or not until she told you her name? Well, well, you men are so picky. I don't remember everything. I'm sorry. Miss Trimble, I have two snapshots here. In a moment, I want you to tell me which of these two girls is Darla Mason. Well, that won't be hard to do. But first, may I borrow a pair of scissors and a small piece of paper, please? Mm, certainly. Here you are. Thanks. What the devil are you up to, Johnny? Cutting paper hats. What do you think? What? Come over here to the counter. Miss Trimble, if you'll just wait there a second, please. Yes, whatever you say. This had better be good. I think it will be. Now watch. All right. I put the snapshots on the counter. And on the head of each girl... Johnny! One of my little paper hats. Oh, really? This is ridiculous. Is it? Take a look. But I... Well, I'll be... When did you spot this? Today, at the Dixon house. Miss Trimble. Yes, sir? Would you come over now, please? Yes, certainly. All right. Look at the snapshots and tell me which of these ladies bought that fur from you last week. Why, you've covered up their hair. You said she wore a hat, didn't you? Yes, but... but... Which one of them was it, Miss Trimble? Well, I, I'm not sure. Uh-huh. They look so much alike with their hair covered like that. I'm just not sure. <laughs> Mason girl had worn her hair short in the Italian style. Ruth Dixon, who didn't have the money to spend on beauty parlors, had let hers grow long and full. But both girls had similar features, and apparently I was the only one who had noticed this. Or was I? Captain Miller and I went to the credit department where we compared the signature on the sales slip with Darla Mason's original credit application. After that, well, there was little doubt in our minds as to what had happened. It was almost seven when I got back to my hotel, took a shower, and stretched out to do a little thinking. Yeah, hello. Hi. Hi, yourself. Who is it? Oh, come on, Johnny. Who are you expecting? Well... Don't tell me you've forgotten about our date. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, where shall I meet you, Miss... Uh... I'll meet you. Be right up, Johnny boy. <laughs> I wasn't quite dressed when she began pounding on the door. I tucked my shirt in and opened the door. Hi. Joni. Well, who else? <laughs> Don't look so amazed. Invite me in. Oh, sorry. Come in. That's more like it. You don't mind if I leave the door open, do you? Worried, Johnny? Oh, no, no. It's just that I like lots of air. You're cute. So are you for a 17-year-old. 18, but I'm... I'm quite sure you are. Now, uh, Joni, before we go out tonight, would you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? I thought you probably would. Oh, why? Well, I'm sure everyone in Newport knows about Darla charging that for a wrap. Oh, I see. What do you want to ask me, Johnny? It's about the day Darla disappeared. Yes? Well, you said she was in the bar with a stranger, right? That's right. But you and I, we both know that every stranger who enters the yacht club has to sign a guest book, correct? Well, he's given a temporary card. With the name of the member who invited him to the club, also registered in the book. You're very clever, Mr. Darla. Why did you lie to the police and your parents, Joni? Darla's my sister. 
I thought maybe someday she'd do the same for me. Will you tell me who the stranger was? Or shall I go over to the art club and start checking their guest book? I'll tell you. You... Yeah? Would you mind closing that door? Tell me first. His name's Peter Hansen. Who is he? My mother can answer that. Or my father. Who is he, Joni? A tutor. My mother hired him for Darla and me. He moved into our house about three months ago. Of course, he didn't stay long. Where was he from? I don't really know. But I know how you can find out. Yeah? Mother hires all her help from the Castelloni Employment Agency in Providence. If anyone has his home address, they will. I started calling the Castelloni Agency at 8.30 the next morning. Hanson's last known address was in Providence, and half an hour later I was headed toward the highway. It wasn't until I reached the turnpike that I noticed I was being followed by a battered blue sedan. Hanson had moved, but he'd left a forwarding address, and three hours and two addresses later, I turned down a lonely oyster shell road and stopped. Ahead of me, I could see a small beach cottage, and still behind me, the battered blue sedan. You make it real easy for a man to follow you, Mr. Dollar. If I had known it was you, sir, I wouldn't have. I hope you don't mind my tagging along like this. Mr. Dixon. No, wait. I know what you're going to say. But let me say this first, Mr. Dollar. I I've waited around, wondering if it was our girl you would find or, or the other one for so long. Well, I just couldn't anymore. I had to do something. You understand that, don't you? Yes, sir, I think I do. Good. Well, then, you go on about your business and I won't bother you. You go on up to that house, and I'll wait right here. Go on now. Yes, sir. I wasn't sure who or what I would find in that beach house, but I was sure no amount of talk could persuade Mr. Dixon to leave until I did. I knocked on the door for a good minute before it finally opened. Yeah? Mr. Hanson? Yeah, what is it? My name is Dollar. I'm an insurance... Insurance man? Ho, ho, ho! Oh, I thought... Honey, it's just an insurance salesman. Look, Dollar, even if I had the money, I wouldn't buy any insurance from you. You come around too early. You didn't let me finish. Huh? I'm not a salesman. I'm an investigator. Oh. Hey! Oh, no, give it up, Hans. No! Honey! Honey! Honey, and... You can't stop me, Hanson. Uh, you want to bet? Yeah. Come, Pete. Come. Give me all right. Why did you have to find us? Why? Why did you disappear? You know how much trouble you've caused? I can read. I know. It didn't bother you? Your family not knowing whether you were dead or alive? Not a bit. I'd be happier if they thought I was dead. Dolly, you don't mean that. I proved it, didn't I? I'm not sure. Why did you disappear? Because I was bored. Tired and sick of living like my family makes me live. And how's that? Come out here. You see those birds? The seagulls, yeah. Beautiful, aren't they? You know why? All right, why? Because they're free. Because they can live any way they want with no responsibilities, no reputation to worry about. Oh, boy, how I envy them. Mr. Dollar. We're around back, sir. All right, now you tell me something. Sure. How'd you know that wasn't me they found on the beach? Because of that fur wrap you charged at Kennedy's. But how did... I told them to send the bill here. They didn't. It went to your house. Oh, no. Somebody sure goofed. Yeah, Dollar. You sure did. Mr. Dollar, are you all right? I thought... Oh. Mr. Dixon, I... Mr... Dixon? Yes, Starlin. He followed me here, hoping I'd lead him to his daughter. Oh. Gee, Mr. Dixon, I'm, I'm sorry if there's anything I can do. My daughter was fine. Decent. But you... Oh, Mr. Dixon... After what you did to your parents and to us, making us wonder for so long, not knowing whether it was you or, or our daughter who was dead. Believe me, I wish it were you. Like Bert McGraw told me a long time ago, somebody has to handle the rough ones. And for me, this was it. Henry Dixon was in no condition to drive his car, so he rode back with us. And on the way, well, Darla Mason will never forget the things he said to her. Neither will I. As for Ruth Dixon, who murdered her and why, 
Well, that's up to the Newport police. Expense account total, including hotel bill, car rental, and transportation back to Hartford, $319 exactly. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week? Well, I suddenly found out there was more to this case I just finished. More. The really tough part. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood. Written by Charles B. Smith, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Mary Jane Croft, Jeanette Nolan, Gene Tatum, Frank Nelson, Will Wright, Austin Green, and Marvin Miller. Musical supervision is by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.